We're starting a new series called Channels, and we're going to stay on this for maybe three, four Sundays because we want everyone to hear God's voice, and, and, it, and it goes along with the 21-day uh, time of prayer. So the idea is that are you turning to the right channel? How do you know that it's God's voice? And how do you distinguish between, how do you discern between the thousands of other voices that you're hearing, right? Anybody living in a time of confusion? Is it just me? Just watch the news, and there goes confusion, right? Don't do this, do this, and the next week it could be the, be the exact opposite with the same people saying something completely different, right? Y'all experienced that? I did. You're like, wow, I don't even know who to believe. All you're all acting like experts. <laughs> and y'all have a lot more degrees than I do, but I'm, I'm not really sure what's truth anymore. How many know that it really doesn't matter? The world's been through worse than this, and we still need the voice of God in and through that. And the only way the kingdom of God will increase is by a people who know his voice and do what he tells you to do, more than what the experts are telling you to do. Follow them if you want to, right? <laughs> and maybe you should. But more than that, are we following the voice of the Holy Spirit? So let's tune into that. So, so I'm going to launch this series by really honing in today. And, um, and I entitled this message, What's Happening in Your Head? What is happening in that beautiful head of yours? <laughs> What's happening in your brain? And has, has the idea of hearing from God still felt mystical to you? A little mysterious? Like, like that belongs to the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, those that pray a lot, read a lot. But I'm not sure that I'm hearing God, right? I would like today, I'm going to do my best to demystify, if that's a word. I'm going to make it a word. Demystify this whole thing is about hearing from God for yourself. And I'll do my best to explain it to you the best way that I know how, but I really, I think it's a demystifying because I think that God's going to raise up a whole new generation of mystics that can actually explain what's going on. And so, you know, the, the old mystics, if you read some of the old saints, and a lot of them were Catholic back then, and priests and nuns, some of them were very, 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 very spiritual. A lot of supernatural phenomenon that you can read about and um, some of it gets a little spooky. Some of it's really, really amazing. But it was all mysterious. Like they could never explain to you how to come into that experience and experience what they were doing and seeing and, and hearing. Amen? And I think, that's, I think the church hasn't done a great job, in my opinion, this is my opinion only, of demystifying God's nature. Where it's like, no, it's for you. It's, it's no matter what your degree is, no matter what profession you've chosen, whether you're old, whether you're young, male, female, hearing from God is supposed to belong to you. And it is your right in the kingdom of God. Amen? All right. John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you, Things to come. So I said this the last time I spoke. Well, isn't that why we have the Bible? You, know, you always get that question. Well, isn't that why we have the Bible? Well, like I said before, we are a culture who does not worship the Bible. We worship the author of the Bible. All right? And the Bible didn't make Christianity. Christianity made the Bible. There's a lot of Christians who get that flipped around, seriously. And so do we honor the Bible? Of course, and we follow the Bible. It's God's inspired word, except that for the first 300 years, 
of the church after the, day, after the day of Pentecost, the church was birthed. It was another 300 years before the Bible was canonized and put into form like we're reading today. And then even, even longer before it was made into English. Do you understand? So who were they following? What were they following? Well, they weren't following the Bible. They were following the Holy Spirit. There were some Old Testament scriptures written, but they were scattered throughout the known land, and it wasn't until 300 years after the church was birthed that some scholars brought it all together. And so you can live in China and not own a Bible and be filled with the Holy Spirit and follow his voice. Yes, you can. <laughs> or whatever country you're in. You can do it in America, too. So what I'm saying is I, I read the Bible all the time and every day, except that I don't carry my Bible with me when I'm talking to you, perhaps, or interacting with my day. It's the idea that you can live and work and breathe, and wherever you go, the living word is still living in you, speaking and talking and, and having his way and, and messing with your mind and your thoughts. That's where we're going to go today, right? Messing with your brain. That's why I'm saying what's happening in your head is the living word that keeps living even when you close your Bible at the end of the day. Even when you go to sleep, he's still living and breathing in there, speaking to you in your dreams while you sleep. That's another message. Maybe we'll do a dream interpretation series. I don't know. That's probably not one for me. But Alicia dreams a lot. I wish I had more dreams. But sometimes I do. And when I do, I really pay close attention. So John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It's one of my all-time favorites. I'm going to say it a thousand more times before I die. It's because it's so matter-of-fact. It's one of my favorites because it's just saying, it just is. Maybe my sheep ought to hear my voice, and I wish that they did kind of, sort of. If you're a sheep and you're a follower of Jesus, you do hear his voice. So I suspect... And I'm going to tell some stories today. I suspect that you do hear God. You're just not often sure that it actually is. That's what I suspect. <laughs> I just think it's true. So my kids asked me a really great question. Um, it's probably at least a decade ago now. We were doing a family devotional. You live in a preacher's house. You're going to get preached at, right? Sorry, kids. <clears throat> so we were talking about hearing God. And I said to them, and I said to them many times, but again, we were on this topic, and I said, if I could... If I could impart one thing while you're still here at home, it would be the idea that you can hear God's voice for yourself. I would love for all of you to know the voice of the Holy Spirit, so that when you're making decisions for college or who to marry, for goodness sake, and all this, all this decisions you got to make in your life, I'd like you to know what the voice of the Holy Spirit is like long after I'm gone, right? You can't always call mom and dad and say, pray for me. We'll be dead someday. Then what are you going to do, you know? And so this was my little sermon to them. <laughs> Sounds really encouraging, doesn't it? You need to hear God for yourself. <laughs> that wasn't quite like that, but sort of. And my kid said, I don't actually remember which one. He said, well, Dad, what does God's voice sound like? And I was stumped. I was honestly stumped. I'm not usually at a loss for words, but I couldn't explain it. I honestly didn't know how to explain it. I know y'all, it's way too spiritual to ask that question but I've asked that question before. I just didn't remember it. But when it came back, I was like, oh, my goodness, how do you explain? And then I said, well, you know that movie called Bruce Almighty, you know, where Morgan Freeman has to play God? It sounds like that. You know, I, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't say that. But I'm like, some of you older, older folks remember, like, the Ten Commandments movie. That's a little older one, right, where I think it was Charlton Heston had to, had to play God. That was, that was just downright creepy. 
where he's calling Moses from the burning bush. <laughs> Moses. I'm out of there. <laughs> Done. Yeah, if that were me, there's no interacting with a bush. I'd be a mile down the road, and so would you. <laughs> if it were honestly that creepy. <laughs> right? And so... But I wonder how many Christians, followers of Jesus, are waiting for that God moment, saying, God, if you were distinct, and if someone could explain what your voice sounded like, if someone could, for goodness sake, record it one day, and it says, God's voice sounds like this, then I could get a hold of that, and then forevermore we could do a teaching and say, if you hear this voice, it sounds like this, then you know it's God. Wouldn't that be nice? I think that'd be nice. This is not quite like that, is it? Unfortunately, this is not quite that discernible. And I'm going to tell you some of the reasons why. God is amazing in his ways, but um, so, God, so God can speak audibly. I'm not saying that he can't. He can speak in many, many different ways. I actually think I heard the audible voice of God one time when I was in a car accident. And that's another story for another time because it's kind of a, a, a long crazy story, but God spared my life, and I'm pretty sure I heard the audible voice, but I'm pretty sure it was only me. There was no one else there anyway, because I was alone in a field with a wrecked car, and so if I heard the audible voice of God, then I did, because no one else can disprove it, so it was just me there, but I don't know. I don't know for sure. Maybe it's just in my head, but he does speak audibly. You see it in the Bible. Now, he can speak through many, many different ways, and as we can say in this series, we're going to say channels. There's a lot of channels, isn't there? Of course, there's the Bible. There's the Word of God. That's his, that's his written word that he spoke through other people who wrote it, and we need to know what he said when he wrote the Bible as well. He can speak through songs, yeah? Of various, um, what do you call it, genres? Yeah. I heard God through a country song once. <clears throat> There's my confession of the day. <clears throat> I'll repent later. By the way, I'm using this mic on purpose because my throat's been acting all crazy literally for the last half year. And when I get my preaching voice on, when I actually start to talk more than just normal... I have to clear my throat, and so God's going to heal me. It's just like, this, like the devil to attack my preaching voice, amen? I'm going to get healed from that. So, so today I said, just let me use the handheld, then I can go like that and clear my throat. That way it doesn't annoy you as bad in case you wonder what I'm doing. So while I'm preaching, just pray that God heals my throat. I can preach better to y'all. Anyway, God can speak through. The Bible, he can speak through songs and speakers of various kinds, right? And parents, how about leaders and friends? And how about even nature? God can speak through nature, amen? I like that a lot. I go through uh, go walks in the park and we do that together and you just get a sense of God's presence. We like that a lot. But today I'm gonna talk about the main way and I call this the local channel. I think that we're looking for God in many, many ways and he can speak through all those things. And what I believe is that we often miss the local, I used to call it the local radio station, but we're gonna call it the local channel because it's like we can hear you know, channels, beam channels in all the way from China. We can beam channels in all the way from Israel. What about the local channel? And sometimes we miss the foundational ways that God speaks. It's not the only way, but I believe it's the foundational way and should be the most familiar. Now, I'm going to start with a story, and then I'll unpack it, and I'll give you some scriptures. I have a few stories for today just to help unpack it so you, so you, so you learn how to distinguish where God's voice is. So 
I was 19 and just got saved and was coming back to Jesus and trying to get filled with the Holy Spirit and learn what all that stuff was about. I was still living with my mom and dad, um, not, not too far from here, still in the same county. I was still living with them. And I was invited to live with uh, a couple friends of mine who lived in a house in Lebanon. And uh, they, had, they were part of this new church that I'd started to attend. It's a church like this, filled with the Holy Spirit. They used drums and all kinds of wild instruments in worship. And jumping around, clapping their hands. Some of them even spoke in tongues. Oh, my goodness. And <laughs> there's my, sar- you know, I'm just, this is how I am. I'm, I get a little sarcastic, sorry. But the reason I'm like that is because my parents were so upset that I was going to this church because they were conservative Christian, and they, were, they just had thought I was joining a cult. And so they were worried for me. Like, I think our son just went off the deep end. They were actually more happy with me when I was smoking, drinking, and partying than they were when I left the conservative church to, to join this crazy group of people. So I'm sitting in my bedroom going, now I'm not praying. I want, I want to, I'm just going to tell this story a little slowly. I'm not praying. I'm thinking. I don't really know how to pray. No one really taught me to pray that well. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I had that memorized because I had to memorize that in school. But I don't really know how to pray. And I don't really know how to pray about just stuff. I'm thinking, really thinking hard. I would love to move out, move in with these guys. I think my budget can afford the rent based on what I'm making. I think that if I do that, I could join their Bible study, their life group that meets in their house. I think I'd grow spiritually. And then my thoughts would change. And by the way, when I'm thinking that, I'm, I just felt such peace. Like, wow, that would really be good. I think, hmm. Then my thoughts would change, and I'd think about my parents and how upset they'll be when I move out because they're worried about this new happy, clappy church that I found, and they're worried that I'm going to fall off the deep end. And, you know, <laughs> I should honor my parents. I should listen to my parents. But I'm 19. I'm an adult now. I don't have to listen to my parents. You know? and, and so my brain was circling. I'm not praying. I'm thinking. And then I was thinking about, do this, don't do that, do this. What will mom say? What will dad say? What will my friends say? What will my pastor say? Oh, that could be really fun. So I'd circle around. Think about the negative. Think about the positive. Think about the negative. Every, about the third time my brain came around to, I should move out and live with these guys. I think I can afford it. I think it would be a good time for me spiritually. Something lit up in my brain that I can only describe as my brain on steroids. It felt like I became a Christmas tree. Right there in my bedroom, it was as if someone had put those little buds to my head, you know, like they do when some people are in surgery, and was zapping me. I, I, I usually describe the presence of God when I feel it almost like low-key, you know, shock. <laughs> Not like touching electric fence where it hurts, but like electrical shock. That's just how I feel it, and other people feel like a deep peace and other things, but that's what it was like for the first time, and it was a, it was a crazy, crazy feeling, but my brain was lit up. You understand where I'm going with this? So some of you are like, what the heck does he even mean? What I mean is what I was learning to discern is even when I wasn't praying or didn't know how to pray, there's somebody now living inside of me because I'm a follower of Jesus who is affecting my thought life. And he was letting me know in that moment that one of the main ways that I talk to you, Vern, one of the main ways that I interact with my people is I dwell within them and affect how they think. And some of your thoughts are your thoughts, and some of your thoughts are God's thoughts. Some of the things going on in your head are yours. Some of the things going on in your head are not yours. They're put there by someone else, perhaps. 
Because that is the way, that is the platform, that is the local channel by which he said, I'm going to dwell within them and affect them this way. And so I did move out, long story short. I moved up. You know, I grew spiritually, and uh, long story short, just learned a lot of things about God. And looking back, it's probably one of the best decisions I, I ever made. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, wait, back on. <laughs> Got that backwards. Now, it set me on a course to both investigate and further understand that God, in the form of the Holy Spirit, is living in my head and influencing my thoughts. Then I'd have new thoughts, like you should stop cursing. <laughs> There's a thought. Sort of everybody I was around back then, especially everybody that I worked with, just had a language. And you just very creatively insert these curse words into every sentence. It was really creative back then. And then here's, here's a new thought that I started having. You should stop smoking. And the reason that's a new thought for me, because no one preached that to me, my dad, my uncles, not only did we raise tobacco on the farm that I was, that was on, my uncle also raised tobacco and we helped each other. Everybody that I knew that, that was an adult male used tobacco in some way or another. I, I thought part of becoming a, a man is you just choose which is your flavor, which is your kind. Maybe you like cigarettes, maybe you like, you know, to chew, or maybe you like snuff. And so I just chose my brand. That's just, that was normal. And so it was a new thought about, you know, now that I'm saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm lighting up for the millionth time on my way to work. Very similar to Jimmy's story when he's in the army, isn't it? And suddenly, there's like this suddenly new thought in my brain, and I'm looking at this cigarette for the first time, like you just do this stuff, and it's just normal, part of life. I'm looking at it, and I just hear this new thought, you don't need that anymore. And then like a weirdo, I threw it out the window. I threw the whole pack out the window, which is littering to replace one sin for another. I don't really, <clears throat> no, it's just my weird little reaction. And then it was the last. That was it. I was done. And I didn't need them anymore. My addiction was gone along with the pack of cigarettes out the window. It was a strange, a strange deliverance moment. But it was a new thought. Amen. <clears throat> now, if you're hearing you use tobacco, I'm not condemning you. I'm talking about the addiction, you know. And we could have a, you know, a long discussion about is tobacco and, and alcohol wrong because it's addictive? Well, no, not necessarily, but, but I believe that addiction is wrong, to be addicted to something that controls your life like it did mine. And I was definitely addicted at that season of my life. Does that make sense? I call that, I call those moments the sweet conviction of the Holy Spirit. And it is sweet, and it's not condemning, but it, but it transforms your life because now you're thinking different. How many know that when you think different, you act different? We try to get it the other way around when we're modifying behavior. Let's act different, act different, act different. Behavior control, behavior modification. If you think right, you will act right. And if you get it the other way around, it doesn't last very long, that's for sure. All right, let's move on. So, so I'm getting all these new thoughts in my head. So I believe the first thing the Holy Spirit sets out to do when he moves inside of you, you say yes to Jesus. The Holy Spirit makes a connection. He says, whoa, I inhabit you and I live inside of you, right? The Bible says that you're now the temple of the Holy Spirit. I think the first thing that he gets about doing is messing with your mind so that your thoughts become God thoughts. I think that's what he starts to do, amen? Paul said in Colossians 1.27, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. And someone also told me about 1 Corinthians 6, 19, all the way back then. I'll never forget it. And they said, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Do you know someone else is living inside of you? Something, person of the Godhead is living inside of you? When I ask you this question, if Christ is in you, where is he? Well, he's just in me. Well, if Christ is in you, so, so most people say, well, he lives in my spirit. He's spirit, he lives in my spirit. Of course, I believe that's probably true. I believe that he's more all-encompassing than that. I believe that he does, but if Christ is in you, is he not also in your head? And affecting everything in you, even affecting your mortal body, right? The word says that, affect my, he can affect your mortal body, right? But he can certainly affect your brain. So, back to my kid's question. My kid said, what does God's voice sound like? And then I got really spiritual days later, and I'm like, just like Jesus answers questions with a question, I'm going to do that. <laughs> Doesn't that annoy you? You're not even answering the question. You're just asking them more questions. No, I'm, I'm teasing. But, but I did that, and the reason I did that is because I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me something whereby it would teach them to hone in to what God's voice sounds like for them. And the question goes like this. I'm asking you now. What do your thoughts sound like to you when you're thinking. <clears throat> we don't stop long enough to think about the thoughts we're thinking. That just sounds weird. Now seriously, what do your thoughts sound like to you when you're thinking? I would submit to you, I've given this some thought. As I was thinking, I gave him some thought. Are you confused yet? So... I submit to you that most of the sounds in your head of your thoughts thinking are in the sound of your own voice, which obviously changes over time as you grow. But that's you, right? Now you can hear other people speaking in your head. You can hear teachers, parents, right? You can hear, <laughs> hear your mom screaming at you, go clean your room. <laughs> no, that's a voice in your head, right? You can hear all these voices in your head, your boss screaming at you that things aren't done or something like that. But most of the time, when you're alone, especially, the thoughts that you think are in the sound of your own voice, mostly. And if they're not, I'm not saying you're broken. I'm just saying that's typical. <laughs> you don't have to go get checked or anything. You can think in the whatever sound of voice you want to. That's up to you. <laughs> but no, I'm just saying it's typical. Did you ever stop? No, no. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. I'm teaching you what the platform is so you can discover where God dwells. Okay, do you ever think about the Old Testament story about Samuel, who became one of the greatest prophets in Israel? First Samuel chapter 3, he's learning to hear God's voice, and the first three times that God spoke to him at night, he thought, get this, he thought that God's voice sounded like his master Eli. Why in the name of all things blessed would God's voice sound like Eli the priest? You ever stop to think about that? <laughs> Do you ever stop to think about the thoughts you're thinking? <laughs> I, I did, and I was like, that's just the weirdest thing, isn't it? I mean, I know he lived with Eli, worked with Eli every day, heard Eli's voice probably day in, day out, right? Do this, Samuel, do that. Samuel, take care of this. You know, but in the middle of the night, he's hearing a voice. 
and it sounds like Eli. Then, he, then, you know, there's this recognition like, wait a minute, I'm not calling you. And so he goes back and says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now he had to distinguish between what was actually Eli's voice and the voices in his head that were pretty normal to him, but God is now using that platform, the same platform that he hears voices all day long is now the same platform that God is using to speak to him, and he became one of the greatest prophets in all the land that way. And the Bible does not say it was an audible voice. <clears throat> maybe, maybe it was, but I'm just saying. Okay, now, because Eli didn't necessarily hear it. Okay. What am I saying? What, what in goodness name is this preacher trying to say? I submit to you this idea. God speaks to us mostly in our minds, using our thoughts, our brainwaves, and even our imaginations as a platform to know his voice. God moves in your brainwaves, and he uses the voices in your head, and then he highlights, and then he enhances, and then he magnifies, and he likes to amplify certain thoughts in your brain, and that's, the, that's one of the main ways that he likes to speak to his people. Let me say again, in case, in case you turn this into heresy, not every thought in your brain is God. <laughs> you're allowed to think your own thoughts if you want to. You're allowed to have your own imaginations, and not every dream is from God either. All right? Just saying. But that is still the main platform that he interacts with his kids day in and day out. Starting to make sense? Now I came up with this little voice. Then I'm going to tell you a story. I, I, I came up with this little story or this phrase rather. I'm going to tell you a story to, to uh, support it because, um, I don't know, I just think it might help. But I, I, I decided to call them a couple years ago, the, this thing that I'm trying to teach. And I, and I told my kids, just call it the amplified voice of God. The amplified voice. So what do I mean by an amplified voice of God? I think it's a thought in your brain that is animated. You know, there's, there's your thoughts, and then there's an animated thought. Like, whoa, it stands out. Where did that come from? And then there's these enhanced thoughts. Like, I know that I can think what I want to, but I wonder if that enhanced thought, like, came from somewhere else. And it's like a thought on steroids. Maybe it's anointed. Maybe there's a permeating thought. You can use that word. Or there's a redundant thought, like it comes again and again and again. Okay, maybe you should pay attention to something happening in here. Maybe it's placed here by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you a story. I was with a young man. I'm going to call him Joe just, just because I, I, don't, I didn't ask him if I can tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I'm just going to call him Joe. So I was meeting with him about three, four years ago, and he was telling me about his life. Um, he, he was still a young man going through various, various things, and his life was not really, not really going well right now. And he was raised in church, taken to church almost every Sunday since he was born, right? And he's telling me that, and, and I'm just asking him a bunch of questions, like, what's God doing? What's God saying? What do you feel led to do? And he says to me, very matter-of-factly and very seriously, God has never spoken to me. God has never interacted with me. I don't even know if he knows I exist. And I know for sure that he's never spoken to me personally. I know. Uh, he can read his Bible, understand all that. But what he was saying was he never felt the personal voice of God through the, through the Holy Spirit living inside of him. So we talked for a while. I said, okay. And to me, I'm thinking inside, I'm thinking, wow, that's really sad. He feels like an orphan, you know. He can't hear his father's voice is what I mean by that. So we're talking about things going on in his life. Now, what happened is he had just moved out of his house, moved in with some friends and away from his parents. He was that age, right? 
learning to work, learning to take responsibility. And as he was talking, just matter of fact conversation, later on in the conversation, he says, boy, all week long, and even part of last week, I just got this, this, this feeling like I should call my mom. And he's just eating while he's talking, eating while he's talking. I just felt like I should call my mom. And I was like, and then I didn't. And then I felt really bad about it. And then the next day I felt like, gosh, I really should call my mom because she's probably missing me right now because I was really close to my mom, not so much the rest of the family, but I know that my mom really misses me. And I just didn't call her and I'm feeling really guilty about that. And on and on. And like the third day, there's this redundant thought, like I should call my mom. And I got Y'all that know me, I get a little sarcastic. And I just looked at him and I said, that's the devil. <laughs> I said, that's Satan putting that thought into your head. Hey, he's staring at me like, what, this pastor lost his mind. And I start, I start grinning and I said, do you think, do you think, Joe, that it could be the Holy Spirit just placing a little nugget of a thought into that silly little brain of yours that says, Call your mother, honor your mother, call your mother, and at least let her know you're alive. At least let her know that you still love her, care about her. Do you think that could be God? I'll never, I'll never forget the look on his face. He was about to take the a bite of a really big burger. I can still picture this moment. And he, he stopped right there, and he puts his burger slowly down on his plate. And he's staring at me. And he goes, I can hear God. Yay. <clears throat> I get pretty giddy right after that. I was just like, yeah. This is how I get when I have a God moment. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that cool though? That sounds too simple for some of y'all and not spiritual enough. But if you miss the local channel, what makes you think you'll get another channel? I'm just saying. It's the local channel. It's where God starts. It's where he messes with you when he moves into your brain. He moves into your life. He moves into your body. And he starts to say, I want your thoughts to become God thoughts. And then he says, little things here, little things there. And then they're, they're redundant. They're permeating. They're somewhat amplified. And, and I call them, I call them the, the, the God voices that we don't often pay attention to that can really radically change your life when you pay attention to them. And I said, Joe, did you call your mom? He said, oh, I did call my mom near the end of the week. It was the, the we, had, we talked for like an hour. We had a really great conversation. And she knows I'm still alive, thank God. And, and long story short, I said, okay, now, now learn to pay attention to what's happening in your brain. That's why I entitled this message, What's Happening in Your Head, Where God Lives, amen? I'm gonna drive this home a little bit further because I think you'll relate to this. Have any of you ever, I'll be honest, been tempted to sin? It's just a few honest people. The rest of you are lying. <laughs> big, big. <laughs> Even Jesus was tempted, right, in every way. Doesn't mean you did it. It means you were tempted. I've experienced that a lot. You, 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 are, you are thinking, wow, I could. Oh, my goodness, where does that come from? Even unbelievers know that this happens to their brains. Now, they depict it like a little demon sitting on their shoulder with, like, horns and everything, all dressed in red with, like, a, a fork, right? And he's whispering in their ear, you know, hate that person, hate that person. And then there's an angel on your other shoulder, right, saying, forgive that person, forgive that person, right? That's how they, that's how they describe the battle of good and evil, right? 
Isn't it strange, though, that even unbelievers and, and Christians believe that Satan and his demons have access to your brain to plant a negative thought and tempt you towards sin, but far less people, even far less Christians believe or know that God has access to your brain and tempts you to do good. Amen? The Bible doesn't describe it as being tempted to do good, but Paul comes pretty close to that when he says in Romans 6.18, he says, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves to righteousness. And Paul calls himself a slave to righteousness. Like he says, I was once a slave to sin and I couldn't help but sin because it's who I was. And then I got more creative with my sin and I found other ways to sin and I kept sinning and sin begets sin. And then when I became a, a follower of Jesus, I started being tempted to do good. Like, I, like something happened to my head. I'm paraphrasing Paul. I'm going to read some other verses. Something happened within me. It's Christ within the hope of glory. And now I'm being tempted to do good. I can hardly contain myself. I can't stop preaching the gospel. I can't stop healing people. I, they just can't shut me up because I'm a slave to righteousness. Now something switched in his brain. And now he's realizing that it's not just the enemy that has access to your brain. God does. He created your brain in the first place. Amen. And how many of us know and fully believe that a lot of what's happening upstairs <laughs> doesn't have to just be the enemy in your own battle. It's also where God's voice can be real to you in your life. So, y'all still okay? So we're, we're, we're spirit beings. No, you are. You're, you're a spirit being. You're going to live forever, right? Your spirit will live forever eternally, right? Okay, one of you agrees. <laughs> the rest of you will discover it then. <laughs> I'm just teasing y'all. So we're spirit beings. We have a body, right? And we have a soul. Now the soul is described by most as where you find your, your, your mind, will, and emotions, right? Well, today we're focusing on the mind, but it's the intangible part of you, sort of the hidden part of you that's there, but not easily discovered, or maybe, not, maybe we don't pay attention to it like we should. Now, I want to tell you something else, because it's really important when you read the Scripture. Many Bible scholars have also come to believe, get this, that where the Bible references the word heart, it's rarely talking about the organ that pumps blood in your body. But rather, in many instances, it means your innermost being or the soul. And in most, all, most cases, it can mean your mind, your inner sanctum, the inner place. You can, get a, you can get a transplant of almost every organ nowadays, especially your heart. You can get a new heart, right? But you cannot get a brain transplant. That's where you are. They've tried this now. I think they're actually trying in some places to take a head off of one body and put it on another. I don't think it's worked yet, but that'd be cool. Maybe by the time I'm 80, I can get a new body. Let's put my head. <clears throat> Weird. That'd be kind of cool. No. She's, no. Okay. We'll skip that. Y'all can try it. <laughs> but that's where you are. That's the essence of you. So if, they, if they're successful at putting a head on a new body, 
then who that person is is whoever was in that head, not the body. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm not even a doctor, and I understand that. <laughs> Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What that means is as he thinks in his brain, as he thinks in his mind, as he thinks in his inner being, so is he. And that's why we say, if you think right, you act right. Okay, Hebrews 8.10, for this is the covenant. Let's talk about the new covenant real quick. For this is the covenant that we live under, that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now let's back up. I will put my laws in their mind and I'm going to write something on their hearts and I'm, I'm creating a people, I'm creating a species where it says you're a new creation, you're a new creature, what it really means is I'm creating a new species of people on the earth that happened on the day of Pentecost where they will be filled with the Holy Spirit. That didn't happen before then, right? They were influenced by the Holy Spirit. Now there's people that have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, and now they're a whole new person all together, right? So God is saying and predicting even back then, like there will be a new kind of person on the earth that does not exist today, but will exist, that will be inhabited by me and everything that I am. So now we know it's not the Levitical laws, right? We're not gonna follow the laws of Moses. Jesus came and completed all that stuff. He said, I, can, I came to complete the law, right? So now, so now what is it? Well, the laws are still, and I had to study this for a bit because it's like, well, he says laws, but Old Testament laws, New Testament laws, what does that even mean? Well, it's still his mind, his will, and his ways, and his thoughts. Matter of fact, it's still his DNA. Like God's will is still implanted inside of us when he comes to live inside of us, right? Does that make sense? And so, and so no, we're not going to follow the, 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 the Old Testament laws. But so, so some say, okay, well, what, what does that make me then? Like I'm, I'm this new species and I'm, now that God is living inside of me, you know, it gets a little tricky. Like, what do I, well, you're, you're not normal. You're not supposed to be normal. <laughs> but what gets really tricky is, you know, where, I'm going to read it later, but where, where Paul says, I have the mind of Christ. <laughs> that sounds heretical. Some of you just have to take a deep breath when you read stuff like that. Like, Paul says he has the mind of Christ. What, is he God? No, I'm not saying that you're God, but what I want you to walk away from here today is that you are a person inhabited by God, and his DNA and who he is lives within you. And he, and he wants to lead and guide you from that place. I still meet, oh my goodness, I hope this doesn't sound condemning, but I still meet a lot of Christians who pray to God out there and pay very little attention to the God in here. You're not praying to yourself. You're praying to the one who moved inside of you. Heavenly Father, where art thou? It's kind of like what it sounds like. And if that's you, just stop it. <laughs> just stop it. <laughs> that's all. No, I'm, I'm, I'm much more kind than I sound right now. But honestly, what I want to impart to you, <laughs> want to impart to you that God Almighty said, I now moved inside of you, and it isn't wrong for you to stop and talk to yourself. You're not really talking to yourself. You're talking to the one who lives inside of you. Wrestle with those thoughts in your brain because you're wrestling with the one who lives and dwells there. Does that make sense? That's not new age. <laughs> that was birthed before the new age movement was birthed. All right, there you go. Some people want to call it conscience, and I wrestled with that for a bit. 
I know that we're all made in the image of God, and I'm okay with conscience. Some people say your conscience is seared. You don't have a conscience. What they mean is you've lost your sense of right and wrong. Do you ever hear that? That probably happened to me when I was a kid. You know, like I don't, you know, I just sort of, you do things wrong for so long, you just don't even feel guilty about it anymore. It sears your conscience. I actually think that a better way to describe conscience is the God place inside of you. Because it's where God dwells. It's where it's the inner person, the inner sanctum. And so it's, 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 Titus talks about like a defiled or maybe a seared conscience. But I think it's more going on in there than just you have a conscience. Because there's nothing in you called a conscience that gives you the sense of right and wrong, right? It's God within you that gives you the sense of right and wrong and his D- DNA in you, his image. Do you know that people, um, whether they're followers of Jesus or not, are made in the image of God. Let me stop to think about that. just want you to think about stuff today. No, it doesn't mean they acknowledge their creator, but when they were created, they were still created in the image of God, and we ought to respect them as such, and they still have that place in there that's God-made. That place where God wants to dwell was created for God to dwell, and they still have that. And, yeah, maybe they've lost their conscience, so to speak. They're, they've lost touch with that inner voice, that inner that inner place where God wants to dwell, but it can be restored very quickly. It was restored for me, but I, I don't so much call it a conscience or a subconscious. I call it the inner temple of the Holy Spirit. I just want to mess with you a little bit today. Do you know that you've been created to interact with spiritual beings that are not part of this earth? Well, even unbelievers believe that, and then they interact with spirits that are not part of this earth. <laughs> But you were actually created that way on purpose so that you could interact with Holy Spirit, who's not of this earth. He created you like that on purpose. And so if you can think thoughts, then you're capable of hearing from God. And if you have a brain, then you can hear from God. That's how demystifying it is. All right, very good. Now, y'all still breathing? That's why even... Two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds can hear God speaking to them. Okay, I'm going to do a brain study, okay? This is a, this is a really cool study by Dr. Daniel Amen. I'm going to take just a, just a few more minutes and read some of this. It'll really help you today. It's just, you, you know this word, I think, um, I think Tim, you just recently re- wrote an article about the wonder of God. Did, did you not? Something like that. And this just makes me just stand back and go, whoa, how wonderful is our creator. So just get comfortable and listen for a little bit. The average brain is believed to generate around 50 thoughts per day, 50,000 thoughts per day. Did I say 50? 50,000 thoughts per day. Wow, God. Disturbingly, it's estimated that in most people, 70% of these thoughts are negative. <laughs> Ouch. Say, not me. No, not me. Okay, so, so Dr. Daniel says this, the incredible brain. Let's take a few minutes to consider this amazing organ we have that literally affects everything we do. Your brain is the most complex, mind-boggling organ in the universe. It is estimated to be only about three pounds, which is usually around 2% of your body's weight. Unbelievably, given that it is the bedrock of your personality, some think even your soul, it's 85% water. The brain uses 20% of the oxygen we breathe and about 20% of the calories we consume. When whole body scans are performed on people, the brain is so active compared to the rest of the body that it looks like a small, powerful heater while everything else appears almost ghost-like. This is when they do scans on the body. 
lot of, lot of energy happening right up in here. It is estimated that we have over 100 billion neurons, also called nerve cells or brain cells, which is about the number of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. Here are also trillions of supportive cells in the brain called glia, G-L-I-A, I think it's pronounced. Each neuron is connected to other neurons by up to 40,000 individual connections called synopsis between the cells. Multiplying 100 billion neurons times 40,000 synopsis is equivalent to the brain having more connections in it than there are stars in the universe. One brain. A piece of brain tissue the size of a grain of sand contains 100,000 neurons and 1 billion synopsis, all talking to one another. Many people have heard that we only use 10% of our brains. This brain surgeon says that's nonsense. You may not use every neuron in your brain at the same time, but each is important. He said the brain never turns off or even rests through your entire life. It's very active at night, especially when you're dreaming. Come on, somebody. That sounds like a Bible story right there. Now, I want to tell you how he ends this, and there's a lot of other stuff he talks about, kids' brains and everything. He says this at the end. He says, if, as it says in the New Testament of the Bible, that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, certainly the brain is the inner sanctum. The brain is involved in everything we do and must be considered whenever we look at the motivation, the reason behind human behavior. Right? He sounds like what he's saying, a little bit like Paul. All right. Isn't that cool stuff? That's what's, that's what's in your head. The place that God created for him to dwell is an amazing place. Much better than the first temple. Yeah. <laughs> Romans 12, 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by, the, come on somebody, the renewing of your mind. Romans 8, 5 to 6, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, they set their mind on the things of the spirit. Wow, there's a lot about the mind. How about 1 Corinthians 2, 16? This is the one I was referring to. Paul said, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And Paul says, but we have the mind of Christ." What does that make Paul God? No, it makes him one inhabited by God. And there was something happening in his brain where he said, there's something going on in my head that's just not me, it's God. <laughs> and that's the same with you if you pay attention to it. Well, most of us don't stop long enough to think about the thoughts we're thinking or expect God's voice to be right here in our minds. And so I'm going to tell you another story. Is that okay? We have time for that? One more story time? All right. So this happened a couple years ago, but it still affects me today. Matter of fact, it just affected me last week. Um, couple, a couple years ago, um, I was about to mow my lawn. Now, we live about a mile from here, maybe less than a mile. And my, my property actually has two road fronts, and so I, have, I'm a, I live on a corner. And what happens is people will walk through the developments and down from the townhouses here and there and everywhere. They will walk past our property on their way out to these convenience stores right out here and these restaurants out here. Um, and now they have rudders, and now they have everything else. Now they have Popeyes, and so it gets even more creative. Um, they will walk past our house or ride bike, perhaps, and our, our, our street's pretty busy. And then they will throw their trash on our yard. <laughs> and so we have half, you know, 
half full cups of slushies, um, blue raspberry slushies, and and we have like half-eaten chicken. This is the weird stuff. There's half-eaten chicken sandwiches thrown on our lawn, just leftover garbage from you know Burger King and everywhere else. Whatever you see out here, we've had it in our lawn. If you drive by the place, yeah, we've had that. The most creative one, I think, that just keeps popping up is this gentleman who really loves his grape-flavored cigar. Um, uh, yeah, I guess cigars. And so, so this, this wrapper that he always dispenses right at my mailbox, oddly, smells really good, by the way. <laughs> it's really bright purple, and it's like aluminum, bright purple, right? Like, there's that dude again. One, <laughs> so I experienced that. Every time I have to mow grass and my neighbor experiences things. One, one, one weekend, it just all hit me. And my, my neighbor, the same way, like, like not only did we have a little trash here and there, but we had newspapers, you know, and then newspapers are blowing in the wind. And so all scattered across my property and his, just newspapers blowing around and someone threw a whole newspaper out, you know, and I'm, I'm out there and, and I'm, I'm in a hurry because we had, we had stuff going on that day and we, we I just want to get this done and fit this in. And I'm so mad. I know none of you ever get mad, but I was so mad. I was so angry. And inside, I was grumbling internally. I don't think I was saying anything out loud. I was just grumbling. And I'm picking up all this stuff and throwing it in the trash. And I'm looking up at my neighbor, and he's just shaking his head like this. And I'm, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Inside, I'm thinking thoughts of evil, like, oh, these people are so demon-infested. And... <laughs> Nobody can be a man of God if they throw trash in someone else's yard. You know, and I'm just, I don't even have time for this. What's wrong with these people? And I'm thinking thoughts of like putting up a GoPro camera that's linked to some sort of device that would spit poison, you know, when they throw trash, <clears throat> put Roundup in it or something like that. <laughs> I'm thinking very creatively. I'm thinking very creatively how, how I could possibly, you know, I was just so mad inside. I, was just, I wasn't controlling my thoughts at all. I wasn't taking my thoughts captive, right? And I hear this thought. I think this, I'm not praying, I'm grumbling. I just want to be honest with you. I'm not praying. I'm honestly seething grumbling inside is what I'm doing. I don't have time for this. And I hear this little thought in my brain that says you should pray for them. Now, the reason I know that I didn't think that thought is because I wasn't even close to that frame of mind. Pastors should pray for their community. Now and then, it's probably a good idea. I just wasn't in the mood to do it then. <laughs> and I wrestled with my thought. The other thought kept permeating, these people are horrible. These people hate me, and I did nothing to them. I'm taking it personal now. There's going to be vengeance. I'm going to find a way to get back. To, you know, and, and I'm thinking there's nothing I can do, but I'm, I, I just keep grumbling, and I hear this thought come again second time. You should be praying for them. About the third time that happened, I said, all right, all right. All right, Holy Ghost. <laughs> You're going to have to help me. Like, think about the thoughts that you want me to think right now because I'm not in a very good place to be blessing my neighbors. <laughs> I know it sounds like a little thing. It was just a straw that broke the camel's back that day, and I was just ticked off. None of you have ever gotten that way. Some of you get that way on the roads, I know. But, but I was having a moment. And, and so I said, okay, I will, I, will, I will stop my other thoughts, taking them captive, right? And I'm going to go with this one. Okay, God. You want me to pray for these people. And then I, and then I got another thought. They are demon-filled. <laughs> Some of them, perhaps. They may be, right? 
they don't know Jesus. Some of them are very lost. Some of them, and then I keep getting these thoughts. Some of them have very broken marriages. Some of them don't know their kids but want to. Some of them are addicted to alcohol. Some of them have just been in this habit of littering for so long they don't really think it's necessarily wrong or affecting anyone and on and on. And I suddenly, as these Holy Spirit thoughts kept permeating, I had to just stop what I was doing and, and get this heart of compassion. These are lost people. I said, okay, God, let's do this. I'll pray. So I started my mower. <laughs> I was done picking up trash by the time I had a mind change. I started my mower and I prayed out loud for the next hour. That's about how long it takes me to mow my grass. I prayed out loud. My neighbor probably thought I was really losing it over there. It's probably the, my neighbor done lost it because of all the stupid trash. But I was really getting a God moment because I prayed. And I prayed for salvation. I prayed for deliverance because some of them obviously needed it. Anybody that does that needs deliverance for sure. But... But I prayed for salvation, I prayed for health and strength, and I prayed for a revival in my community. And I prayed and I prayed over their families and their kids. And by the time I was done mowing grass, I felt like, man, bring on some trash. <laughs> it was, like I didn't mean that. Don't, 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 don't go throwing your trash in my yard. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you where I live. <laughs> Woo. But y'all y'all catching it? changes what happens up here now the reason it affects me still today was because we just came back from a, from a time off Alicia and I and by the way it's really really good to see be back with the, the Lifeway family isn't it and so we just came back and sure enough I went to mow my lawn at my mailbox was the purple cigar wrapper just for me and it smelled really good <laughs> I've never smoked a grape flavored one that's interesting but I don't know why you'd want it to be grape flavored anyway, but it smells really good. And then I mowed my lawn praying for people again. And there was less trash this time. There was about 10 pieces to pick up. So 10 families got prayed for. It was all one family. I prayed for them the whole time. But that's just my mode now. Do you get it? See, those little thoughts that we don't pay attention to are God speaking to us. And that is the main channel. That's the main place that he begins you might get an audible voice of God. You can hear God through a thousand different ways and through nature. You might get your own personal visitation from an angel. I hope that you do. <laughs> but if you don't, you should still be hearing God every day and every night because you're created to hear God. That's who you are created to be. Does that make sense? Second Corinthians 10.5 says, casting down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And I really like 1 Peter 1.13. This is really what we ought to be doing. In the English Standard Version, I like it because it makes sense. And he said, therefore, prepare your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that would be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Prepare your mind for action. What does that mean? Expect. That means fully expect that when you leave here, today, tonight, tomorrow, there could be some God thoughts flying through your brain. You might be tempted to do evil. Say, huh, well, if the devil has access to my brain, then so does God. Where are you, God? Where's the God thought? Come on, somebody. Now I'm going to pray, y'all can stay seated just for now, we have just a few minutes yet. I'm going to pray, but I'd like to explain the prayer first. 
going to preach to you about the prayer, and then we'll pray. The first part of the prayer is what we always do. We want to pray a salvation prayer in case you are here and have not yet ever received Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, and you want to do that. That, that starts there by saying, huh, I recognize that what they're saying is about this Jesus person. I need the Holy Spirit come live inside of me. It starts by saying, Jesus Christ is my Lord. What he did on the cross was for me. And I need my sins forgiven. We always want to give that opportunity. So if that's you today, I want you to pray that prayer. We're all going to pray it together. That's the first part of the prayer. And then the second part of the prayer goes into, fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. We pray prayers like that before. Then I want to end with, Lord, I give you my mind, I give you my thoughts, and I give you my imaginations. And then when I, when I stop praying that, I'm going to actually stop and I'm going to be silent. I'm going to stop talking and stop praying. That's why I just have you stay sitting there. Because in that moment, what I'd like you to do, after you give the Lord your thoughts, I give you my mind, I give you my imaginations, then I will be silent and I want you to think about the next thought that you're thinking. <laughs> Pay attention rather to the next thoughts that come into your brain. Did you know that 50% of people think in pictures and 50% of people think in words? Did you know that? I love studying the brain, it's amazing. Some people literally see picture after picture after picture after picture and even when you're talking to them, they're seeing pictures. Other people sing, think words, 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 it's like right brain, left brain, right? It's true. It's really cool, really fascinating. So you might see a picture. Some of you are gonna hear words, like think words. It might be in the sound of your own voice. They might be in the sound of my voice. I don't know. I'll try to sound like God for you. Um, <laughs> it could be the sound of anybody's voice, but it could be something amplified. It could be something permeating. It could be something anointed, but pay attention to where your brain goes. And ask yourself, is this a God moment? This is how I pray, actually. I, I, this is how I give God my mind when I'm praying and I want to listen prayer. I pray, I ask God for everything I could possibly think of, and I pray for you and everybody on the planet. And then I, when I want to listen, I change my mode and I try to listen and give God my thoughts. <clears throat> Y'all ready? All right, let's pray. You can repeat after me. It's one of those prayers. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I repent of all my sins and I receive your forgiveness for me. Thank you for reconciling me back into a relationship with Father God. Holy Spirit, I invite you to dwell within me, to fully empower me to live righteously and to follow your guidance. Holy Spirit, I give you my mind, my thoughts, my imaginations. Holy Spirit, speak to me. part one more time if you want to there's no pressure but put your hand on your head if you want to let's pray for your brain 
Say, Holy Spirit, I give you my mind, my thoughts, my imaginations. Holy Spirit, speak to me. for the next hour. How, how, many, how many of you felt like there was this sort of maybe an impression from God, maybe something that you heard? Yeah, many of you. That's good. When we did this a few years ago, we were in the theater back then. I, I preached a very similar message, and some of you probably remember hearing some of my stories, but when I preached this, one lady came up to talk to me afterwards, and she said that was really I was really touched by that and I said what did God say to you what impression did you get what thought she said well I really felt like God told me that he loved me <laughs> now I'm gonna be real with you I was like okay well whatever no in my brain I said that I didn't say it to her I'm not I'm not that unkind I was just thinking oh my gosh that's not a huge revelation right and she she probably could see the look on my face because she went on to explain, she's like, no, you don't understand. She said, I've, I've been a Christian for decades, a long, long time, ever since I was a child. You, I can't tell you how many preachers told me that God loves me. My parents have always told me God loves me. My friends have told me that God absolutely loves me. He's for me and not against me. I have never fully believed it. And I don't know how to tell myself to believe something that I could never quite believe was true. And I looked at her and I'm like, well, there's really amazing thing happening here in her brain. And I said, how about now? She said, for the first time, I have no doubt. First time in my life, and she was a, an older woman. Um, I say older, 60-ish, I think, perhaps. Older than me, there you go. There was an amazing thing happening in that moment because when she said, when I heard God tell me personally and invade my brain and I knew that he was there telling me that he's in love with me, for me, not against me. It took away all doubt and all fear, and I feel changed. I feel like I'm not the same person. Isn't that cool? There's something, there's something about hearing God for yourself, <laughs> hearing the revelation for yourself that is different than someone else just preaching to you and telling you, hoping that you'll believe it. That's what we all need. We all need those touches. God knows what you need. God will whisper to you what you need today, tomorrow, tonight. Amen. Amen.